Book Three, Chapter Thirteen of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Camilla or a Picture of Youth by Fanny Burney. Chapter Thirteen. Attic Adventures. Mr. Tyrold, according to the system of recreation which he had settled with his wife, saw with satisfaction the pleasure with which Camilla began this new acquaintance, in the hope it would help to support her spirits during the interval of suspense with regard to the purposes of Mandelbert. Mrs. Albury was unknown to him except by general fame, which told him she was a woman of reputation as well as fashion and that though her manners were lively her heart was friendly and her hand ever open to charity upon admitting lionel again to his presence he spoke forcibly though with brevity upon the culpability of his conduct what he had done he said let him colour it to himself with what levity he might was not only a robbery but a robbery of the most atrocious and unjustifiable class adding terror to violation of property and playing upon susceptibility of the weakness and infirmities which he ought to have been the first to have sheltered and sheathed had the action contained no purpose but a frolic even then the situation of the object on whom it fell rendered it inhuman but as its aim and end was to obtain money it was dishonourable to his character and criminal by the laws of his country yet shudder no more continued he young man at the justice to which they make you amenable than at having deserved though you escape it from this day however i will name it no more feeble must be all i could utter compared with what the least reflection must make you feel your uncle in a broken state of health is sent abroad your mother though too justly incensed to see you sacrifices her happiness to serve you lionel for a few hours was in despair after this harangue but as they passed away he strove to drive it from his mind persuading himself it was useless to dwell upon what was irretrievable mrs albury the following day made her visit at edrington and invited the two sisters to a breakfast she was to give the next morning mr tyrold who with surprise and concern at the coldness so dilatory found a second day wearing away without a visit from mandelbert gladly consented to allow of an amusement that might shake from camilla the pensiveness into which at times he saw her falling Mrs. Albury had declared she hated ceremony in the summer. Guarded, therefore, by Lionel, the sisters walked to the grove. From the little hill they had again to pass, they observed a group of company upon the leads of her house, which were flat and balustraded round. And when they presented themselves at the door, they were met by Major Serwood, who conducted them to the scene of business. It was the end of July, and the weather was sultry, but though the height of the place upon which the present party was collected gave some freshness to the air, the heat reflected from the lead would have been nearly intolerable, 
had it not been obviated by an awning and by mats in the part where seats and refreshments were arranged french horns and clarinets were played during the repast this little entertainment had for motive a young lady's quitting her boarding-school miss dennell a niece by marriage of mrs arbury who at the age of fourteen came to preside at the house and table of her father had begged to be felicitated by her aunt upon the joyful occasion with a ball but mrs arbury declared she never gave any entertainments in which she did not expect to play the principal part herself and that balls and concerts were therefore excluded from her list of home diversions it was vastly well to see other shine superior she said elsewhere but she could not be so accommodating as to perform nobody under her own roof she offered her however a breakfast with full choice of its cakes and refreshments which with leave to fix upon the spot where it should be given was all the youthful pleader could obtain the etherington trio met with a reception the most polite and camilla was distinguished by marks of peculiar favour few guests were added to the party she had met there before except the young lady who was its present foundress and whose voice she recollected to have heard in the inquiries which had reached her ear from within the paddock miss dennell was a pretty blooming tall girl but as childish in intellect as in experience though self-persuaded she was a woman in both since she was called from school to sit at the head of her father's table camilla required nothing further for entertainment than to listen to her new friend lavinia though more amazed than amused always modestly hung back as a mere looker-on and the company in general made their diversion from viewing through various glasses the seats of the neighboring gentlemen and reviewing with yet more scrutiny their characters and circumstances but lionel ever restless seized the opportunity to patrol the attic regions of the house where meeting with a capacious lumber-room he returned to assure the whole party it would make an admirable theatre and to ask who would come forth to spout with him mr macdersey said he did not know one word or any part but he could never refuse anything that might contribute to the company's pleasure away they sped together and in a few minutes reversed the face of everything old sofas bedsteads and trunks large family chests deal boxes and hampers carpets and curtains rolled up for the summer tables with two legs and chairs without bottoms were truckled from the middle to one end of the room and arranged to form a semicircle with seats in front for a pit carpets were then uncovered and untied to be spread for the stage and curtains with as little mercy were unfurled and hung up to make a scene then they applied to miss dennell who had followed to peep at what they were about and asked if she thought the audience might be admitted she declared she had never seen any place so neat and elegant in her life such an opinion could not but be decisive and they prepared to reascend when the sight of a small door near the entrance of the large apartment excited the ever-ready curiosity of lionel who though the key was on the outside contrived to turn it wrong 
but while endeavouring to rectify by force what he had spoilt by awkwardness a sudden noise from within startled them all and occasioned quick and reiterated screams from miss dennell who with the utmost velocity burst back upon the company on the leads calling out oh lord how glad i am i'm coming back alive mr mcdersey and young mr tyrrell are very likely killed for they've just found i don't know how many robbers shut up in a dark closet the gentleman waited for no explanation to this unintelligible story but hastened to the spot and mrs albury ordered all the servants who were in waiting to follow and assist miss dennell then entreated to have the trap-door through which they ascended from a small staircase to the leads double locked till the gentlemen should declare upon their honours that the thieves were all dead mrs albury would not listen to this but waited with lavinia and camilla the event the gentleman meanwhile reached the scene of action at the moment when macdersey striking first his foot and then his whole person against the door had forced it open with such sudden violence that he fell over a pail of water into the adjoining room the servants arriving at the same time announced that this was merely a closet for mops brooms and pails belonging to the housemaid and it appeared upon examination that the noise from within had simply been produced by the falling down of a broom occasioned by their shaking the door in endeavouring to force the lock the ensign wetted or splashed all over was in a fury and turning to lionel who laughed vociferously whilst the rest of the gentlemen were scarce less moderate and the servants joined in the chorus peremptorily demanded to know if he had put the pail there on purpose in which case sir said he you must never let me see you laugh again to the longest hour you have to live my good macdersey said the general go into another room and have your clothes wiped and dried it will be time enough then to settle who shall laugh longest general said he i scorn to mind being either wet or dry a soldier ought to be above such delicate effeminacy it is not therefore the sousing i regard provided i can once be clear it was not done for a joke lionel when he could speak declared that far from placing the pail there on purpose he had not known there was such a closet in the house nor had ever been up those stairs till they all mounted them together i am perfectly satisfied then my good friend said the ensign shaking him by the hand with an heartiness that gave him no small share of the pail's contents when a gentleman tells me a thing seriously i make it a point to believe him especially if he has a good honest countenance that assures me he would not refuse me satisfaction in the case he had meant to make game of me and do you always terminate your jests with the ceremony of a tilting match cried sir sedley yes sir if i am made a joke of by a man of any honour for to tell you a piece of my mind there's no one thing upon earth i hate like a joke unless it's against another person and then it only gives me a little joy inwardly for i make it a point of complaisance not to laugh out except where i happen to wish for a little private conversation with the person that gives me the diversion facetious in the extreme cried sir sedley 
an infallible excellent mode to make a man die of laughter drawl to the utmost with regard to that sir i have no objection to a little wit or humour provided a person has the politeness to laugh only at himself and his own particular friends and relations but if once he takes the liberty to turn me into ridicule i look upon it as an affront and expect the proper reparation oh to refuse that would be without bowels to a degree lionel now ran upstairs to beg the ladies would come and see the theatre but suddenly exclaimed as he looked around aha and hastily galloped down and to the bottom of the house mrs albury descended with her young party and the ensign in mock heroics solemnly prostrated himself to miss dennell pouring into her delighted ears from various shreds and scraps of different tragedies the most high-flown and egregiously ill-adapted compliments while the major less absurdly though scarce less passionately made camilla his juliet and whispered the tenderest lines of romeo lionel presently running out of breath upstairs again cried mrs albury i have drawn you in a new ball have you cried she coolly why then i permit you to draw him out again had you told me he had forced himself in you had made him welcome but i foster only willing slaves so off if you please with your boast and your bow i can't upon my word ma'am for he is at my heels mandelbert at the same moment not hearing what passed made his appearance the surprised and always unguarded camilla uttered an involuntary exclamation which instantly catching his ear drew his eye towards the exclaimer and there fixed it with an astonishment which suspended fully his half-made bow and beginning address to mrs albury lionel had descried him upon the little hill before the house where as he was passing on his own attention had been caught by the sound of horns and clarinets just as without any explanation lionel flew to tell him he was wanted and almost forced him off his horse and up the stairs mrs albury in common with those who dispense with all forms for themselves exacted them punctiliously from all others the visit therefore of mandelbert not being designed for her afforded her at first no gratification and produced rather a contrary feeling when she observed the total absence of all pleasure in the surprise with which he met camilla at her house she gave him a reception of cold civility and then chatted almost folly with the general or sir sedley edgar scarce saw whether he was received or not his bow was mechanical his apology for his intrusion was unintelligible amazement at seeing camilla under this roof disappointment at her breach of implied promise and mortification at the air of being at home which he thought he remarked in her situation though at an acquaintance he had taken so much pains to keep aloof from her all conspired to displease and perplex him and though his eyes could with difficulty look any other way he neither spoke to nor approached her nor was even thus meeting her all he had to give him disturbance the palpable devoirs of major serwood incensed as well as astonished him for under pretext of only following the humour of the day in affecting to act the hero in love 
the major assailed her without reserve with declarations of his passion which though his words passed off as quotations his looks and manner made appropriate how already thought edgar has he obtained such a privilege such confidence to have uttered one such sentence my tongue would have trembled my lips would have quivered camilla felt confounded by his presence from the consciousness of the ill opinion she must excite by this second apparent disregard of a given engagement she would fain have explained to him its history but she could not free herself from the major whose theatrical effusions were not now to be repressed since at first she had unthinkingly attended to them lionel joined with macdersey in directing similar heroics to miss dennell who simply enchanted called out i'm determined when i've a house of my own i'll have just such a room as this at the top of it on purpose to act a play every night and when my dear said mrs albury do you expect to have a house of your own oh as soon as i'm married you know is your marrying then already decided dear no not that i know of aunt i'm sure i never trouble myself about it only i suppose it will happen some day or other and when it does you are very sure your husband will approve your acting place every night oh as to that i shan't ask him whenever i'm married i'll be my own mistress that i'm resolved upon but papa's so monstrous cross he says he won't let me act place now papa's and mamma's cried sir sedley are ever most egregiously in the way tis prodigiously surprising they have never yet been banished society i know no mark more irrefragable of the supineness of mankind then rising and exclaiming what savage heat i wish the weather had a little feeling he broke up the party by ordering his curricle and being the first to depart that creature cried mrs albury if one had the least care for him is exactly an animal to drive one mad he labors harder to be affected than any ploughman does for his dinner and completely at his conceit obscures it he has every endowment nature can bestow except common sense they now all descended to take leave except the ensign and lionel who went arm in arm prowling about to view all the garrets followed on tiptoe by miss dennell lavinia called vainly after her brother but camilla hoping every instant she might clear her conduct to edgar was not sorry to be detained they had not however been five minutes in the parlour before a violent and angry noise from above induced them all to remount to the top of the house and there upon entering a garret whence it issued they saw miss dennell decorated with the ensign's cocked hat and feather yet looking pale with fright lionel accoutred in the maid's clothes and almost in a convulsion of laughter and macdersey in a rage utterly incomprehensible with the coachman's large bob wig hanging loose upon his head it was sometimes before it was possible to gather that having all paraded into various garrets in search of adventures lionel after attiring himself in the maid's gown cap and apron had suddenly deposited upon miss dennell's head the ensign's cocked hat 
replacing it with the coachman's best wig upon the toupee of MacDersey, whose resentment was so violent at this liberty that it was still some minutes before he could give it articulation. The effect of this full-buckled Bob Jerome, which stuck hollow from the young face and powdered locks of the ensign, was irresistibly ludicrous, yet he would have deemed it a greater indignity to take it quietly off than to be viewed in it by thousands, though when he saw the disposition of the whole company to sympathize with Lionel, his wrath rose yet higher, and stamping with passion, he fiercely said to him, Take it off, sir, take it off my head. Lionel, holding this too imperious a command to be obeyed, only shouted louder. MacDersey, then incensed beyond endurance, lowered his voice with stifled choler, and putting his arms akimbo said if you take me for a fool sir i shall demand satisfaction for it's what i never put up with then turning to the rest he solemnly added i beg pardon of all the worthy company for speaking this little whisper which certainly i should scorn to do before ladies if it had not been a secret mrs albury alarmed at the serious consequences now threatening this folly said no no i allow of no secrets in my house but what are entrusted to myself i insist therefore upon being umpire in this cause madam said macdersey i hope never to become such a debased brute of the creation as to contradict the commands of a fair lady except when it's upon a point of honour but i can't consent to pass for a fool and still more not for a poltroon you'll excuse the little hint then while making a profound and ceremonious bow his wig fell over his head on the ground this is very unlucky cried he with a look of vexation for certainly and to be sure no human mortal should have made me take it off myself before i was righted camilla picking it up to render the affair merely burlesque pulled off the maid's cap from her brother's head and put on the wig in its place saying there lionel you have played the part of lady wronghead long enough be so good now as to perform that of sir francis this ended the business and the whole party in caracols on horseback or on foot departed from the group end of chapter thirteen read by lars rolander